in 1958, there wasn't a lot of diversity in terms of who won Formula One auto races. Ferrari, Maserati, McLaren, Alfa Romeo. The few independent race teams that entered got the pleasure of watching as Ferrari, Maserati, McLaren, and Alfa Romeo crossed the finish line before them. Until Rob Walker. Rob was rich. He was the heir to a multi-million dollar fortune from both his mother and father's side of the family. He was, however, expected to do something with his life, which was a problem for Rob because one of his early teachers described him as, quote, academically hopeless. He found his passion in life when he discovered cars. He loved everything about them. The mechanical intricacies, the engineering, their sleek appearance, and more than anything, going fast. Rob wasn't able to race himself because his wife told him she would only marry him if he promised to never race again. So he founded a racing team. It might seem like an easy thing to do for a multimillionaire to buy his way into Formula One, but unfortunately for Rob, the car manufacturers who dominated the F1 races jealously guarded their secrets. That was the reason that no independent race team had ever won a Formula One Grand Prix race. But Rob was determined to change that. He started by hiring a legendary driver. Sterling Moss was known as one of Britain's best drivers. And he was also a kindred spirit to Rob, an abysmal student who found solace in racing. And also like Rob, he came from outside the usual hierarchy. Sterling was Jewish and often bullied for his outsider status in England. Together, they were able to do well, but they still couldn't win one of the major Grand Prix races. It was time to start thinking outside of the box. It started with a Cooper engine. Compared to the powerful Ferrari and Maserati engines they were going to be going against, it was pitiful. But the Rob Walker team had an ace up their sleeve. Their engine was mounted on the back of the car. Others had attempted the trick, but it was still considered controversial and unproven. Just that year, Enzo Ferrari had dismissed the innovation saying, the horse pulls the cart. It doesn't push it along with his nose. They weren't the first to attempt this innovation, but they would be one of the first to utilize it on the biggest stage. And it was enough to bring Rob Walker and team some victories on the circuit. But if they wanted a Grand Prix, they realized it was going to take something extra special. At the Argentine Grand Prix in 1958, the Rob Walker team made their move. As the Maserati and Ferrari teams changed their tires, the Rob Walker car kept going. Sterling Moss was opening up a multi-lap lead over his opponents. The pit crew began to complain loudly about the state of the tires and how it would take forever to change them when he did eventually stop. Finally, with only 10 laps to go, the other teams realized that they were being deceived. Their drivers picked up the pace and tried to catch Moss. As they got closer, Moss's tires began to disintegrate underneath him. In a sport where the participants were not guaranteed to come home alive in the first place, Moss's car was now shaking and sliding beneath him on every turn. He drove cautiously, just hoping to make it to the end, 
and constantly looking over his shoulder to see if it would be enough. And as he neared the finish line, he realized it might not be enough. So what happened at this photo finish? Stay tuned and buckle that seatbelt, because today we're exploring Formula One and the power of doing what has never been done before. Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about doing what nobody else will, how Formula One turned into an international obsession and how you can make your product one too. In this episode, we talk to Ollie Hughes, CMO of Red Bull Racing, about how they go leaps and bounds ahead of every other F1 team. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Learn more at oracle.com slash CX. As Sterling Moss rounded the final corner, Ferrari driver Luigi Musso was hot on his heels. Moss was doing everything in his power to simply hold the car together. Finally, agonizingly, the Rob Walker car sputtered across the finish line, 2.7 seconds before Luigi Musso and the Ferrari car. The team had done it. They had become the first and only independent team to win a Grand Prix race and the first car with a rear-mounted engine to do so. Soon, everyone was copying their innovation. Within a year, there were no cars left utilizing a front-engine design. Often imitated indeed. For a long time, the Rob Walker team were the only outsiders to come into Formula One and actually win anything. That is, until the Red Bull team came along. For those of you who are not familiar with Red Bull Racing, yes, that is the same Red Bull energy drink that was founded in 1987. So you might be wondering why an energy drink company has a racing team. The answer? Red Bull does everything differently. And Red Bull Racing has managed to do the seemingly impossible, building sustained success on the racetrack, including 65 victories since 2005. They've also managed to cultivate a massive following in a sport with long-standing teams and entrenched fan bases. They knew that in order to break through with fans, they would need to do things differently from a marketing perspective. The man charged with that is Ollie Hughes, CMO of Red Bull Racing. So we are 100% owned by Red Bull, the drinks business, and... I guess Red Bull has us because they do marketing very differently to everyone else. They look at the world and say, how do we connect with people globally? Or how do we connect people anywhere? And the best way they do that is by thinking about what their brand stands for, which is about giving people wings, giving wings to ideas and people, and then putting their name behind something and then living that that brand ethos. So Red Bull's very first athlete that they worked with, endorsed, supported their product was Gerhard Berger, an Austrian F1 driver. And our owners are F1 fans. When they had the means and the ability to do it, they bought an F1 team. So they purchased 
what was then Jaguar Racing or Ford, and they set up Red Bull Racing. And then suddenly you've got Red Bull Formula One team competing against the likes of Ferrari and Mercedes and other well-known car manufacturers. And people are looking up and down the paddock at us and saying, what the hell is an energy drink doing here? We've been here trying to do things differently for 17 years now. So we're pretty pretty lucky, actually, that we are one of the only sports that's not only global, but actually gets to compete globally. And we go to 23 countries a year and we race in 23 countries. So we have a, a large fan base, approximately 90 million fans around the world that follow us. Initially, fans were skeptical of Red Bull's dedication to the sport. According to Ollie, fan trust didn't materialize just because they showed up. It had to be earned. I've only been here for four years of the journey, but back in the early days, apparently it was like we were just the jokers. We were, we were walking into the F1 paddocks all around the world and people were like, those guys throw great parties, but what, what are they doing here? So we became a bit of a sort of a bit of a joke team. Don't get me wrong, we always took the sport seriously. We were building, we were recruiting good people. We were building facilities that could compete at the front of the, the grid in F1. And, and in 2010, we won our first Constructor and Drivers World Championships, and we, we won three more after that. So we actually have eight World Championships now in the 16 years that we've been in the sport. So we went very quickly from being the jokers who took seriously to being, hang on, they're having fun and they're winning. That's not supposed to happen. And you know, ever since then, we've been a top three team. Last year, we came second in the World Championships, one race in, and we should have won that race, really, but we came second in that race. So we're very much hoping to take the fight. We're about doing things differently. Like we, we are dead serious and fully committed and fully professional race outfit, but we also believe that there should be some fun and we should be connecting with our fans in a fun way and just not taking ourselves so seriously. Having a great team is critical because they can remain focused on the customer, or in Ollie's case, the fans. Ollie told us how to craft a truly great fan experience. Like any sport, your fan is your oxygen. If you haven't got fans, you haven't got a sport. So for me, I'm always thinking, what can I do to improve my fans' experience? Like, how can I make Formula One? not only more interesting to our current fans, but how do I make Formula One accessible and interesting to new fans? So they really are at the center of everything that me and my team are doing every single day. They are 100% our focus. It's been very much ingrained in my head for, I guess, my entire marketing career that you have to design, whether it's a product or a marketing account, has to be around the fan base, both the current and the future fan base. So... Yeah, Red Bull and Red Bull is the ultimate, you know, they're the inventors of content marketing. Let's be honest, no one no one really did it before before they did it. So we're always thinking about what can we do to stand out from the crowd? And we've done some crazy things. Like we're the only F1 team to even think about, hey, why don't we take an F1 car and run it on a ski slope in Kids Pool and put snow chains on it? Or why don't we do donuts on the helipad in the Burj Al Arab in Abu Dhabi or 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 why don't we you know, even take it to the 1000 Museum Tower in, in Miami? We did donuts on that building. Well, most people think you're utterly crazy. Why would you take a you know, multi-million dollar car and do that kind of thing? But for us, it's all about we do it because no one else would. And it makes us stand out and it makes us connect with new audiences. It's that simple. Ollie and Red Bull Racing are all about bringing experiences to the next level. 
Back in the early days of racing, there was a famous saying coined at Ford that you win on Sunday and sell on Monday. Ultimately, Red Bull wants Red Bull Racing to win races. And winning races means millions of eyeballs on Red Bull and more people buying Red Bull, maintaining that number one energy drink in the world status. But Red Bull Racing doesn't just win on the track. They dominate digital and social channels with some of the best content in the world. And that content is working 24-7. Totally understand that sometimes you are doing things which are not necessarily wow, but everyone needs it. In our world, not everybody needs it, but we want everyone to want it. So we need to make sure that when they watch or interact with our content or interact with our marketing, that they go, wow, they're really cool. That I want to, how do I be part of that? How do I get involved with Red Bull? And how does, if I drink Red Bull, does that make me feel like that? Ollie and his team have realized that in order to win, they need to be willing to do what has never been done before. And when you hear about the stunts that they pull, you realize why no one else has done it before. Anyone who follows the sport knows that one of the key areas where Red Bull is really consistently phenomenal is pit stops. And the pit stop in Formula One is like the the ultimate metaphor for teamwork. You have 20 guys who take four tires off and put four tires on, and we do it in under 1.9 seconds. And we consistently do it in under 1.9 seconds. If you just think about if you ever change a tire in your car and you think about changing all four of them in, in under two seconds, it's... It's absolutely crazy. We're able to have a car come into the pit lane at like 80 miles per hour, stop very quickly, on, off, out. And because we're so good at that, we got the opportunity last year to work with the Russian military. He said, hey, what about coming in? What about coming up into the edge of the atmosphere and we'll do one of those zero G flights and let's see how quick you guys are at changing tires when you're in a zero, zero G environment. So again, most people go, that is just crazy. All, all we're going to do is throw up. But our guys totally embraced it. And we went up into zero G and we did a, a zero G pit stop and, you know, created a lot of content around it. So for us, it was a totally relevant, but totally crazy thing to do. And it gets us into new places and gets new eyeballs. Crazy ideas and innovations are great when they work, but sometimes they're just crazy. How do you know when an idea is crazy good or just crazy? To Ollie, it all comes down to measurement and metrics. There has always got to be a measurement, right, around everything. You've always got to look at it and go, did it work? What were the metrics for success when you were going into it? But I think in any good marketing, it just feels right. If you go into something and plan everything around metrics, like this is what the data is telling us and this is what we should be doing, and like you end up by killing the creative process to me. And I think ultimately, if, you, if the creative is brilliant and the idea is exceptional and unique, then somehow you can craft that to get the metrics that you want. As you come up with exceptional and unique ideas, your competition will take notice. Every project that we do is, yes, we should try and be unique. Yes, we should try and be the first. People will try and copy us, but we ultimately need to do it in a way that even if people do copy us, it doesn't make a difference because we did it better and we did it first. And we see that now. Like we, It is one of those moments of flattery when you see your competition imitating what you do. But, but we see it every day that we're able to go out there and we're able to do very creative marketing. And some of the other teams like Ferrari or Mercedes or McLaren, et cetera, will also try and do something similar. And some of them do a brilliant job of it. Don't get me wrong. 
but they're never going to be Red Bull. What Ollie says here is critical. You need to have the audacity to do it in the first place and to make sure that you do it so well that it can't be redone. Although it might be often imitated. And a key to developing those crazy ideas is to continue learning more and more and more about your customers and what they want. Totally redefining and rescoping what does a great tech stack look like and how do we deliver the ultimate fan experience using the tools that we've got at Red Bull Racing and the technology that Oracle can provide us. And that's really the journey we've just started. And hopefully during the next weeks, months, our fans will start to feel and see that. But ultimately, it is about understanding who our fans are. So when I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have roughly 90 million fans. How do we turn the 90 million into from unknowns to knowns? And the more we know about you, what does that mean in terms of how personalized the journey needs to be? What what platforms are you on? What are you most interested in? Like merchandise to me, if it's done properly, is a brilliant experience. But if I'm following a sports brand and all they're doing is pushing merchandise at me, that is super annoying. So what I want to do is I want to understand more about you as an individual. And if I know that you always buy a cap or a t-shirt or a piece of merchandise every season, and I know you always buy it before the first race, or or if I know you've already bought it, I'm not going to push any more merchandise out to you. So what I want to do is I want to show up where you want me to show up. And I want to not be there when you don't want me to be there. And I want to give you what you want to see. And I'm not going to push you stuff you don't want to know about. As CX leaders, we have a never-ending pursuit of meaningful engagement. Testing, iterating, and using data to inform those decisions. You've got to constantly put your fan at the forefront or your customer at the forefront. I think it's exactly the same thing. So, And to do that, you've got to understand them more. So either you've got the tools or the technology or you go and do the research, but you have to keep understanding what your fan wants, what your customer wants and where they want it and how they want it and, and constantly be using that as your sort of North Star and how you're planning everything. And I think as any marketeer or commercial person, you can start looking at it and going, the data's all positive, sales are growing or fan base is growing, so we must be successful. And I think that is one of the most dangerous things you can do in any organization. Yes, that is brilliant to have and it, and it helps you to get more budget to reinvest, but ultimately you need to constantly be looking at Yes, it's growing, but what is our strategy to keep it growing? And how do we keep getting ahead of it and never get complacent and always continue to innovate and think innovatively about what is next? What is next? What is my, what do we think my customer will want? What do we think my fan will want? And also, where are the new fans and where are the new customers? Because at some point, your fan gets life changes. They have kids, they don't have time to follow you anymore or customer preference changes and you've got to think where are the new people all the time as well so i'll just say never be complacent because complacency ultimately leads to failure whether it's designing a car or designing a customer experience there is enormous power in doing what has never been done in your industry it might not be something as cool as doing a pit stop in zero gravity but as ollie taught us It needs to be exceptional. It needs to be unique. Something that makes your competitors jealous. Something that makes them want to copy you. But in the end is unique to your brand. Doing what has never been done is a winning formula. 
It's proven. If you can't think of something to do, or you can't get an idea off the ground, well, drink a Red Bull. I hear it gives you wings. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Learn more at oracle.com slash CX. Thank you again for listening to another episode. This is your host, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison, and produced by Mackie Wilson, Ezra Baker Trupiano, and Ben Wilson. To learn more about our team at Caspian, go to caspianstudios.com.